This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. On Tuesday, March 23rd, I had the privilege of hosting an online panel for an event called Coming Back to Different that was put on by our team here at Awana. The panel featured Matt Markins, Cynthia Dixon, Sam Luce, and Esther Moreno. It was a fantastic conversation filled with a ton of wisdom about what leaders can be focused on right now to set their ministry up for success, with success being defined as child discipleship. Now, every week I tell you to check out the show notes, but this week you really can't miss them. I included more information about each of our panelists how you can get more information about the resources Awana can offer you, including the full version of this event, and information about this podcast if you're a new listener. Welcome, by the way. We started this conversation with Matt Markin sharing what he's thinking about right now, what's keeping him up at night in terms of the Kidman community. Thank you for listening to the Resilient Disciples Podcast. What's keeping me up at night, Ross, are two conversations I had with a couple of pastors about a month ago. Uh, and I just want to kind of walk through the story. The first one was a pastor on the West Coast. Uh, we were talking about the challenges, as you just mentioned, the challenges of this past year. And this pastor uh, said, Matt, as I look to the, to the months ahead, uh, he said, I think the key word is rebuild. Uh, he said, where, where we are on the West Coast, he said, I don't even know who our church is anymore. Like, I don't know who's with us. He said, oh, some, wow. of people, <clears throat> some of our people, because we have, they're more restricted in where they live, uh, some of our people have gone to other churches. And, and through the digital engagement, it's difficult to see who's, who's tuning in. And when we email and text out, not everyone responds. So he said, for the, he said I've been a pastor for 25 years, and I've never experienced a time when I don't even know Who's with us? Who, who is my church? So he said, as we think about going into the fall, we're thinking now our mentality is rebuild. So I think that's a key word. And what's interesting is I heard that exact same word from a, another kids pastor uh, in the Midwest. And, and, and she said that same word, rebuild. She said, Matt, we have 900 kids in the midweek space and about 1,500 on the weekend. And she said... Matt, we're, 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 we're sold out to children's ministry and child discipleship. She said, not to brag, but we're good at what we do. We know how to do this, and we do it because of the gospel, and we, we want to disciple kids. But, Ross, she said, even we've gotten lazy. She said, we've kind, we've kind of downshifted during COVID. We've kind of relaxed some things. And so for us to get ready for the fall, we're going to have to push this thing uphill really hard to get ready for the fall. But here's what concerned me. She said, Matt, think about the churches that are not as focused on mission as we are. Sure. She said, I'm concerned if they don't start in March and April to get their, their, their volunteer base mobilized, churches are not going to be ready for the fall. We have to start rebuilding now. And that's, that's what's keeping us up at night. Yeah. I mean, that word, it, it speaks to urgency that we, the rebuilding now, but I think inherently there there's hope. Um, Esther, I, I want to bring you in here. Cause I think your perspective as kind of this wide lens on the church, are you seeing a similar conversation happening in churches right now? I mean, absolutely. Matt. I mean, everything that you said, I definitely agree that we are in a season 
uh, rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. We just had a leadership team meeting recently and our children's pastor, I mean, the first thing he said, he, he apologized to us, you know, and he said, oh my goodness, the season has been crazy. And it, it has kind of been a sabbatical for a lot of us, you know, especially for those churches that are still not operating yet. And they're still um, definitely virtual, but I remember him admitting this and I'm like, look, we have all been on a sabbatical <laughs> in this season. It is not only your fault, but I mean, I think also navigating through that and the fact that we are still living through a pandemic. So dealing with the idea of what can we do to rebuild while still navigating through the pain that we are still in a pandemic that so many churches are on different levels. Some are open, some aren't open and learning how to navigate through that season, I think is definitely something that is keeping us all up yeah. <laughs> at night. On how, how do you reach everybody, everyone? Cause we're all at different phases mm. in our life. We're all in different phases of this pandemic and learning how to do that. Absolutely. Um, you know, we'll just, we'll bring this everybody here. So Sam and Cynthia, uh, Cynthia, we can start with you. You know, your church context might be further ahead as far as reopening than some of the people on this call. Like, as you've been trying to navigate what this looks like in the context of your community specifically, you know, we talked about engagement online being so different. What does it look like to engage kind of in person, but also having to sort of do that dance Esther is speaking to? Well, Ross, for us, uh, I look at it from a different lens. Uh, okay. I didn't look at it from a lens of, oh my gosh, what do we do? I looked at it from a lens of, oh my gosh, this is an opportunity for us to revamp, reset, redo everything. So I went to my team like that. So though this happened through this period of time, I said, God has given us an opportunity to reset. And so all the many things that we wanted to do, could have done, tried to do, tried to propose, this was the time where everything shifted downscale and this is an opportunity for leadership to really listen to us at this point for children's ministry uh, uh people uh, workers and so i took the time out to come up with a plan of everything for post-covid because again we're not going to always be in covid or <laughs> this pandemic so i couldn't keep us in that mindset and so oftentimes as leaders as we continue to keep us in that mindset. So my mindset from day one is to move from that mindset. What is the goal for post COVID? So I started out with a plan. And so I orchestrated a plan of action during this period of time while we are training. This was opportunity. So all those times when we couldn't get volunteers or leaders to come in for our trainings, you know, in person, well, they would come for Zoom. <laughs> and so my numbers for training went up versus going down. And so training was a part of it, restructuring the environment, making it more of a, a learning environment, new furniture, new everything. It was an opportunity for us to say, okay, because me as a director at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship, I'm constantly spinning. I'm constantly moving. And I didn't have the time because, you know, we got the kids with the runny nose. We got the parents, the chicken. <laughs> we got all kinds of things going on. And I didn't have the opportunity to cast vision like I needed to do. So for me, those people who I didn't think that would come back for in person, this is an opportunity for them to still serve in ministry because they won't come back. They're not going to come mm -hmm. back. But I'm still going to offer my virtual platform even once we go back in person. So I'm not losing. I actually have two platforms going on at the same time. So I look at to leaders. I talk to them to say, let's not look at the negative. Or, oh, my God. 
this happened. Let's find the positive of how we can move forward in this. And what is God is really saying to us in this moment? Is he saying this is an opportunity to make it better? Or is this is the opportunity that, oh, I don't have enough volunteers. I don't have enough people. The people are lax. Because no, that- God will give a, pro, a vision. He, though he give a vision, he gives a provision to the vision. And Amen. so he will give other people. So the thing about it is maybe we need to change our prayer thought to that and say, God, what do you see for us to do in this moment? And who do you, and send the people you want for this particular moment, because everyone who did the moment before may not be for this season now. Yeah. But again, stop me from talking. Huh. No, 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 talking. Cynthia, look, that's, <laughs> I love that because I think what I hear in that too, in that, just that change of perspective is it's not about dismissing what people are feeling, not about dismissing those who, you know, on a personal level, maybe more, uh, have more fear about the virus or uh, not be willing to do things like come back into the classroom. You can embrace that and you can move forward at the same time. And on top of that, what you're talking about, you know, you're talking about having two different teams managing these two different platforms that may not make sense to every ministry that's represented by those here, but those principles do. You can do the things that you're talking about, no matter what your ministry looks like or what your context looks like. But Sam, I want to bring you in on that front because I think, to even expand the lens even a little bit further around coronavirus. Like coronavirus has also revealed some weak points in our discipleship. How do you feel like COVID has revealed those weak points and how can we leverage this new season like Cynthia is talking about to strengthen those areas where discipleship may not have been the first priority? I think in there, there's been so much difficulty in COVID. I mean, just across the board, I think leading in this season has probably been the single hardest season to lead in my life. And being here in 25 years, it's to, to lead in this season is, is there's no simple decision. Every decision has a potential to upset someone or someone or, or not upset someone else. Either you're, you're, you're mm-hmm. taking it too seriously. You're not taking it seriously enough. And so just the, just the mental uh, difficulty of trying to, trying to go forward and disciple people and, and administer in a context, which none of us, you know, have ever been in before is incredibly difficult. Um, I think, I think the thing that she, the big, the biggest thing this has revealed to us, honestly, is the lack of discipleship. Like when you say, like when I hear Matt say, he's talking to these pastors saying, we don't know who's with us uh, to me. I mean, I don't know who that is. I'm just saying my, I'm, I'm including my church. I'm not picking on that, that guy, but I'm just saying this, this is uh, revealed to us that, that the church is more than uh, than just attendance. It's more than just coming up and showing up to an event. It's, it's, it's us living life together, life on life. There's, there has to be this idea of where, where we know who, who our neighbor is. There's this idea that we, you know, I think for, for so long, the church has, has uh, measured bigness and, and, and how many people come, you know, um, and I think we have to like relook at what our, what our measurements are to say like how many disciples are actually discipling other disciples. Like, I think we have to change the way our measurement is. I think we have to change the way we, we equip people, uh, the way we equip family. Like, so even, I think this is a great time even to reset, you know, even the conversation for the last 20, 10, 10 years, at least has been about, you know, children, parents are the primary disciples of the kids. Right. And, uh, but when you would talk to people, when they say that you say, well, what does that mean? How does that, what does that look like? And you say, well, they're the primary disciples of the parent of the kids. How does that work out? What do you do? And like, well, 
we want the parents to be doing it. And it's like, well, how do you help them to do that? You know? And cause I, I legitimately want to know because I want to do that. And, and I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't always know the right thing to do. And so one, I think one of the things this has forced us to do is to say, okay, uh, the kids no longer come to church with their families, right? Uh, they're at home with their parents. How are we going to help them? And I think it's forced us to look like, okay, how are we going to lead today? How are we going to lead like, even like Cynthia saying, like how it's forced us to have that, that freedom to breathe a little bit to say, okay, we need to prepare to reopen in, uh, in November, but we also need to be prepared to close in December mm-hmm. and January and February and March. So we have to say like, okay, this is a new reality that we have to wrestle with to say, how can we, how can we lead? And, and so for us, like one of the things that we've been doing is we've been, we've been going more old school. We've been going, we've been going more old school. We've been sending letters to kids. We've been trying to do things that, that we used to do that helped us that we forget about because you get so caught up in the day to day, like Cynthia saying, like, it's so busy. There's so many things happening. You got so many plates going. You're just trying to survive Sunday rather than saying, how can we, how can we invest our time and our energy and our efforts and, and everything into creating uh, disciples that disciple people. Right. And, and part yeah. of the problem is I think is with parents is that I think we have to be better disciples of parents, better disciples of, of, of our volunteer team, better disciples of our staff in such a way that they understand not just how do I pull off an event, but why are, you know, why, how do I do that in such a way that I model to my kids, the kids I teach the, the teachers I'm in charge of, like the, the beauty of Christ. How do, mm-hmm. how do we make Jesus look beautiful in to those who are leading rather than just try to just uh, pass information to them? Yeah. You know, it's not information transfer. We don't want, you know what I'm saying? It's not just that. You know, to that. Yeah, go so, ahead, Cynthia. Going with Sam, how you can be ready for in-person and then in December out, you know, maybe back virtual back and forth. And someone said in the chat that, Maybe if you continue with virtue, you'll lose a lot of people coming in person. You really, if you make your in-person service so live and interactive, you probably won't lose those people. But you have to understand that people, you have to allow them to be cautious. People, you have to allow those feelings that it may take them a moment to come back, but you have to also provide a platform both ways. That's what's missing in the church. We always want to go one particular way all the time and think that's the that's the black and white view of how things need to operate. If we have multiple platforms, look how many multiple people that can come to Christ. Everybody's not an in-person person. That's just the nature of the beast. But yeah. you have this virtual platform going on at the same time to grab. That's the Great Commission to grab those people because in this day and time, like Esther said, technology in person is not the way to get them. We have a short span of people to reach out to the people. Let's do every mode necessary to, what it takes. If that means that I may have inflatables and pump it up for in person for the kids to come in for that one using COVID safety precautions, and then do something wild and crazy for virtual at the same time. If I lose that person to virtual, so what? I still mm-hmm. have them here getting the gospel because ultimately it's about the gospel and it's not about our feelings about being in the building. Sam, jump in. I just want to mention, say something. Okay, so I think um, uh, one of the things I get concerned about uh, in and I've written about it oftentimes is, is that when you go to a conference, right. And we, we paint this picture of excellence um, is that sometimes in most churches in America are small. And so they have this idea that they're like, well, we can't do that. 
So they almost feel discouraged. And I, here's where I would say, like, it's not about information. It's about incarnation. It's mm -hmm. God with us. And this is what we have that Disney doesn't have is that we can show up uh, on the front door of our kids, uh, of, our, of the kids in our kids ministry and give them and drop off a, a present for them on their front page. Disney can't do that. They can send them something in the mail. They can send them little wristbands. Exactly. But we can show up in person and we can yes. say, listen, here's the thing is God loves you. And, and this is the thing about, uh, you know, the whole digital versus brick and mortar. This is the, this is what I think is so important for us is this has allowed us to clarify, to have this discipleship forming conversations to clarify what does the church look like? What should the church be? This is where we show up and we say, this is, this is the reality. This is, this is where Disney can't help us. This is where Disney can't help exactly. our kids. Disney can, take, can, can pacify our kids for a moment, but this is where we come in and say, here, here's, the, here's us being the church. Here's us loving you in such a way that we point you to Jesus over and over and over again because he is our hope. He is our joy. He is our life. He is everything to us. You know, what Esther is saying is that our Zoom, you know, I have five Zooms going on at the same time on any given Sunday and Wednesday of each age group. And each age group have their own backgrounds to identify. Sure. They flip the screens of the backgrounds as they go to different segments. They It's purposely by design for our church ministry is that the parent is required to be on the Zoom. And the reason why the parent is required is if we're saying that, you know, like Sam said, the old philosophy is that, you know, the parent is the, you know, primary spiritual um uh, giver of spirituality for the kids, then we'll move a little bit into that realm and that we're co-laboring with them. But the parents have to run around the room with the kids. The parents have to do the lesson with the kids on the Zoom. It is purposely by design. Now you have parents who typically in the past just dropped their kids off. Think about mm -hmm. it in the past. Because, you know, they thought we were babysitters. Let's just be honest. <laughs> The yeah. parents thought we were the babysitters and just dropped their kids. Now they're engaged into the, and see, now they see what took place with their kids. Now I have a potential new volunteer for in, per, in person. See, now I can go to that parent because they've been a part of this Zoom and says, are you interested? Not just taking over the class, but maybe just helping out. This is yeah. ways how you recruit new volunteers instead of saying, I can't find new people. Your new people may be a part of your Zoom already. And so this is something that they didn't know that they could do, but they learned it through COVID in this, in this period of time. So again, I go back to training. This is another way you're training your parents. Yep. Our newsletters that go out weekly. Uh, uh, also our text messages that go out every week. And, and, and you said, well, I'm a smaller church. I can't do that. Like Sam said, you can get your list do like we did by zip codes. And we just went to the doorbell, ding dong, social distancing in the back, dropped off a care packet, gave them some information and said, hi, I want to see you Sunday. That's yep. simple. They love to see you. Take a photo, picture, put it on your Facebook page. Like Esther says, uh, social media and technology. You can do go back to old school and say, hey, I just want to check on you. Phone call, you know, send a card in the mail with a stamp. Ooh, some people don't know what that is, a stamp. Uh, <laughs> a stamp and those things of a personal touch thanks for listening we'll be right back why are kids leaving the church after high school what if the strategy to change this started in children's ministry the child discipleship forum is where children's ministry leaders senior pastors and parents gather to collaborate 
pray, learn, and dialogue about the most critical factors to shape long-term discipleship in children. Featuring speakers like Ed Stetzer and Gabe Lyons, as well as children's ministry champions like Dr. Wes Stafford, we will unite together at the Child Discipleship Forum in Nashville or online on September 16th and 17th. This is a critical moment for us to shape the future of the church and make the greatest generation of disciples the world has ever seen. Save your seat at childdiscipleshipforum.com. We've been talking about reach. We've been talking about discipling and what that can look like in this moment. But I want to shift the conversation a bit to Matt, actually something that you brought up earlier when it comes to mobilizing volunteers. You know, I'm mindful of the ways in which this conversation could feel really heavy for some folks because they're ta- we're talking about all these different considerations. But when you look at a volunteer base, Matt, you know, what should those in this call be thinking about right now? What should it look like to be engaging with this group? Uh, you said so that they can come back in the fall, but really so that people can get on this mission now. What does that look like? Ross, I'm going to answer your question, but before I do, I want to acknowledge all the introverts out there who are, <laughs> would you guys please? <laughs> so I've got two. So speaking of going analog and sending letters and showing up on doorsteps, I'm going to go analog and I've got two paper visuals here. Here's the first one. This is a summary of what I've heard us saying up to this point. So we as children's ministry leaders and volunteers and parents, We've got, our foundation has to be abiding in Christ. John chapter 15, we have to abide in the vine. We've got to uh, bend our hearts toward God's, connect with him, get time in the word, get time to think and pray and to worship him. That's our foundation, right? Yeah. But I, I love what Cynthia said. This, is a, this has been a great time to reset. We've heard some of these resetting ideas. I heard Sam say earlier, you know, what's your goal and your vision? Let's set our metrics to that goal and vision. I've heard ideas about, we've got to diversify. We've got to have ways to connect virtually. We've got to ways to connect in person, right? So this is a, this is a time of resetting so that we can rebuild. So I think that's kind of a, a summary of what I've heard us saying to this point. Now, now to my other visual that I pre-prepared. So wow. there's kind of three, I've heard three, in my mind and conversations we've been having in recent months, I've heard three word pairings as it relates to this volunteer thing. So let's start from the top. The first one is kids and objectives. We all have key objectives in our ministry, right? Like you have an objective. You want to help kids come to know Jesus and, and to mm-hmm. be saved and, and to, to take steps closer to him weekly as disciples, uh, engaging the scripture, memorizing the Bible, having faith experiences to live out their faith and to grow closer to Jesus. So those are our key objectives. We want to see kids reach those objectives of going, of getting closer to Jesus as disciples. And secondly, parents have these desired outcomes for their kids. Like parents have a vision of their kids' future. They want to see their kids flourishing in their faith. They want to see their kids following Jesus for a lifetime and, and living on mission for him. And therefore, we have this team, this children's ministry team, this child disciple-making team, this team, uh, many, some of them are paid staff, some of them are volunteers perhaps, and, and they're helping us steward, manage, and lead this ministry to make all of this happen. But going back to that thought earlier on, now is the time to mobilize this group of volunteers you know, based on that reset vision 
to rebuild for the future. So there's, there's, I think there's three things we need to be doing right now to get these volunteers in our ministry uh, re-engaged for the fall. So here, here are the three things that I, I think uh, that we need to be doing now in May, our March and April to get ready for the fall. The first one is we've got to establish our guiding coalition. Mm-hmm. Depending on your context, that may be three people. That may be five, seven, 12, 15. I don't know how many people it is based on your church and the size of your team. Who is your guiding coalition? This group of key people around you mm-hmm. that's going to help re-engage this faith. These are your people who are going to pray with you. They're going to get down on their knees. They're going to faithfully be with you to help get your team re-engaged. So establish your guiding coalition. The second thing is that team has to be ready to inspire. You've got, we've got to lift the eyes of our people. We've got to cast vision. We've got to cast vision around the objectives and the outcomes and the vision that we all see for the future of our children who are going to be the future of the church, engaging the culture and leading the church. So we've got to build that guiding coalition. And that guiding coalition has to help us inspire our people. And then thirdly, equip them with the necessary things they need to to get ready to be fully re-engaged for this fall. So establish your guiding coalition inspire them with that grand vision for for the children in your church and for their future to know love and serve jesus and thirdly let's equip those volunteers with everything they need to get ready for this fall i think that's what we need to be doing in march and april that is so good man i I mean i think one of the things that i've heard a lot you know is i mean you're so right how do we get for so many of us, you know, some, a lot of our volunteers may have left, you know, they were on a break, you know, and and they walked away. And I think that is, it's so important to make sure that they know that we care. They don't care. I mean, they, they're not concerned about what, what we need from them until they know that we care. So that coalition is going to be so important and, and letting them know, you know, exactly where they are. Listen, we care. So I love it. I love it. It's a good word, Matt. Sam, I think some of what Matt's speaking to also leads into what we need to let go of, right? You know, wasn't really working before COVID and we were just kind of turning our wheels on. Um, but how does that, you know, you as a church leader, you've had to live out what Matt's talking about very practically, um, what is, what are some things we need to let go on and especially when it comes to relating to volunteers? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's, it's a, it's a great question because, um, part of, part of the resetting, uh, of our ministries, a part of the thing is, is part of the, you know, sometimes as things just get added on over time and you just do them out of, out of tradition, you just do them because that's what we've always done. And, and, and you're, you're the person who's, you know, you hate that when someone says that when you walk into some uh, with fresh eyes and you say, well, this is what we've always done, but uh, someone's leading the, this is what we've always done. Right. And so what, the, what COVID has done is allowed is, is allowed us to look at our ministries, like the new person walking in. And uh, when we walked in, you know, like, so uh, we had, you know, the, I didn't know what to expect when we opened, we opened in June. I know what to expect this first Sunday. And uh, we had, uh, you know, we were expecting maybe, 30%, 40%, 50%, maybe we had, we had 10% kids, 10%, 10% kids. 
10% of the kids that we had came back, you know, and that was, it was obviously early and, and we've, we've grown since then. And then we've shrunk back because we've had some outbreaks and some issues that were difficult, but what we had to learn is, okay, what is the most important things? What, what, number one, what do we measure, right? What are we trying to build? Right. You have to start with, what are you trying to build? What, what does a disciple look like in the context of your church? Right. And then what you have to say is, okay, how, as a kids minister, how can I, uh, how can I, at the end of my job, right? The end of my job is not to have a, a, a good, a good kids minister is not to have kids that don't want to leave, right? That, because they love you so much. Mm-hmm. If you're doing your job as a kids pastor, the youth ministry should be thriving, right? If you're doing your job as a youth as a youth pastor, right? Your church should have young people in it on the weekends that are, that are, that are making the church, that are pushing the church forward in terms of, of, of vision, values, energy, right? All around this idea of we're, we're, these are disciples that are, that are discipling other people that are pushing the church forward. And so what we have to do is look at is, is you have to be more, uh, especially in this time when, when volunteers are at a, at a, at a, you know, at a premium, you have to say, is this event helping us to accomplish the, the purpose of our church of, of discipling kids and discipling parents and discipling families? Is it yes or no? And if, if the answer is no, then you have to either come up with like a, an alternative to that, or you have to just let it go. And you have to, you have to come down to what is the core things that are most valuable? Because there's some things that we do just because we like to do them. You know what I mean? Just because they're fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the reality should be is, is, is okay, what, what is our core principles? What is, what is the thing that we're here for? And we're not here. Like, we want, we want our kids' ministry to be fun, right? We want our kids' ministry to be fun. But we want more than anything is we want our kids to love and to trust and to treasure Christ. We want them to walk away from our kids' ministry one day when they go into youth ministry, when they go and they move on. We want them to walk away knowing this, that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is beautiful, Jesus is everything. And if that if they do that, then we've succeeded. So what we have to say is, is okay, is this event that we're doing? Like, does VBS, does VBS allow that to happen? And for us, it does. For us, VBS is not just, uh, when we first did VBS, uh, when I first started, it was like a, just a youth, a kids, a kids ministry event that we did. And it was more of like a outreach thing. And, and, and honestly, it didn't really reach a lot of people. Uh, for us, it didn't. So we stopped doing it and then we rebooted it in terms of like, we're going to use this as, as a concentrated time to disciple our kids. And so we wrote a curriculum around the, around the Heidelberg Catechism. That, that helps our kids understand this is what the church has believed, will always believe, and this is what we believe. This is what, if you believe these things, like the mm-hmm. Apostles' Creed, those types of things, this is what makes you a Christian. It's not how you feel that particular morning. It's do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe in what Christ has done for you? you know, and so I think what it, for us, that is something that we hang on to. We're, we're doing VBS uh, full bore this year because we believe that kids need each other kids need a relationship but most of all kids need a relationship with jesus so there's certain things we're letting go we're just not there's certain outreach things that we used to do or there's certain events that we planned and we do like a big a big uh christmas uh, thing in the in the winter we do like a big uh thing for our own kids we just didn't do it because we didn't want to the hallways we, we want to respect distance and we wanted to try to be safe for families but we we don't want to let go in in our we don't want to out of fear compromise the discipleship of kids but we also want to be mindful and keep, keep people safe and to, and to be wise and to honor the governments that God's placed in our lives. And living in New York is not easy. You know, there's a lot of restrictions that, and that have been difficult to manage and to walk through. And so it's, it's knowing what to let go. And, in knowing, and the only way to know what to let go 
Ross, is to know what is most valuable. Like yeah. what, is, what, is, what is valuable? What can I never let go of? Because when you know what you can never let go of, then it allows you to say, okay, these things aren't as important. I can, we can come back and, you know, maybe, maybe in a couple months, maybe in a couple of years, or maybe never, because this yeah. is what matters more than anything else. And when I was younger, that was uh, when I was younger in kids ministry, that was, that was the biggest problem for me was every Sunday was, was a, did I, I found my worth by whether kids had fun or not, or whether they liked coming to church or not. And I, I made that the, the, the thrust of my ministry. And I think I missed, they, they loved me, but they didn't love Jesus necessarily. Right. So I don't want kids to like me and not love Jesus. And so mm-hmm. if, if, when it comes down to it, I want kids that through me, through the people that we lead, see Jesus as infinitely more precious, infinitely more valuable than anything that this world has to offer, that the loves of this world pale in comparison to the love of God for them in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that comes from people that know what's most important. That comes from people holding on to the, to the values, to the, the historic faith handed to us. And yeah. there, when, we, when we don't do that, when we, when we fail to hold on to the historic faith handed to us, what happens is we're blown by the, the winds of culture that says, okay, what do kids need now today? which is important. We want to make sure that we can communicate to them in a way they can understand. But what do we communicate? What has always been true? What has always been true? And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that kids can not only hear and see, but they can see it, they can absorb it, and they can take, they can take it with them to their, to their context. Yeah, that's good, Sam. Um, but Matt, you know, I want to bring this all the way down to the cookies on the bottom shelf, as you like to say. Uh, you talked about equipping this volunteer base in this moment like this. Someone's walking away from this event. What does that look like for them? What is the first thing that they should be doing? Or what is the next thing that they should really be taking back to their team based off the conversation that we're talking about with this event on for volunteers? So one of the first things a leader does is defines reality. And another one, another thing that a leader does is to give hope. And there, there's three more things I'd love to talk about. We're going to focus on those too. So that guiding coalition has to define reality among the people, meaning where, you know, if you're living in California, you might have a different context than in middle Tennessee, where I'm at here in the Nashville area. So, so depending on where a church is at in this whole, you know, thing that's been the COVID world, you really need to know where your people are. So defining reality is getting, getting a feel for what is, what has this season been like? So if my volunteer base is 12 people or 50 people or 200 people, I've got to know kind of the temperature, the, the kind of where the wind is blowing with my people. So defining reality is super important emotionally, spiritually, physically, where are my people at? So that's one of the first things I would want my guiding coalition to help me do. And based on that, I've, so, so define reality and give hope. Secondly, I've got to lift their eyes and I've got to give hope and say, we're here. We want to be here. Can you be a part of helping this church because of the gospel, because we want to make disciples? Can you help us get here to get ready by that time? And so based on what I'm learning by asking questions and my guiding coalition helping me define reality, that's going to help me to understand what my, my key equipping needs to be. If my people need help with X, then I need to ha- have a plan to be able to come and come alongside of them and help meet that need. So I, I think a lot of it, Ross, is the basic skills of listening, using empathy, asking questions, collecting that information, and based on that, building a, pl- a custom plan for my church on how to get from here to there. And then I would say, beyond that, I would just say, pay attention to what other churches are doing. Listening, mm-hmm. joining the, the different 
key Facebook groups to really listen to what other churches are learning along that way. But I've got to have a custom pathway for my church, but then there's probably a common pathway for what other churches are learning as well. That's, that's where my mind would be if I was a local church uh, leader. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week.